you have experienced this morning the praise and worship, the presence of God, the Muslim world does not have that. It was amazing to me the first time I walked into a church, and they, didn't, they used these things called hymnals. I don't know if you ever heard of them. But I, it, it caught me off guard as they praised and worshiped God aloud. So I don't want you to take for granted what you have here. Because when the lost, when the Muslim come, when anyone comes and encounters the presence of God, and I'll be honest, it was uncomfortable, but we're wired, we're hungry for that. So I want to encourage you, keep praising and worshiping your God. Amen? Amen. It's a beautiful thing. You know, one of my favorite passages of Scripture is Psalm 139. Anybody ever read Psalm 139? And we don't have time to read the whole thing, but I want you to see this verse. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. You know what that tells me? Listen, God knew you before you took your first breath. Actually, Nothing about your life surprises God. He knows the good, the bad, and the ugly, and he still has an amazing divine purpose for your life. That's good news, amen? So if you are still breathing, God's not done with you. So if you're still breathing, would you just wave to me? Turn to your neighbor and say, God ain't done with me. With a smile, say, thank God he's not done with you. But, but, but listen, I would venture to say that if we looked at our own life, where we've been, what we've done, what we've gone through, maybe even stuck in, we might think that God might be a little disappointed with my life or even frustrated or even angry. Anybody ever been there? But what's interesting, watch this. The next verse actually tells you what God thinks of you. And it's not frustration. It's not even disappointment, and it's definitely not anger. You know what God thinks of you, knowing all about your life? Look at this. God's thoughts towards you. Check this out. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. God calls you precious, valuable, irreplaceable. Now, that's an amazing God. Amen? Because we know our lives, and God knows us better than we do, and yet he still calls us precious. And I've learned something. When we realize how much God loves us and how precious we are to him, we can get up every time we fall. As a matter of fact, I was ministering overseas, and God gave me this word. Check this out. God, watch this. God says, I don't count how many times you fall. I count how many times you get back up. And if you can get up every time you fall, you can fulfill God's purpose for your life. So just turn to your neighbor and say, get back up. So so if God knows everything about us, God knew I would be born into a Muslim family. God knew my dad is Palestinian, born and raised in Jerusalem. My mother, Lebanese, Syrian. I was raised, I was the firstborn of five, and we grew up here in the United States of America. My parents taught me a very, if I can say it like this, a healthy, godly fear for Allah, for God. Matter of fact, I never tasted, tasted alcohol or drugs, never smoked. I never even said a curse word. So how many of you know, that God can do amazing things even before you really know him. As a matter of fact, in my high school, which happened to me, we had moved to South Florida, the, the, the football coach in the baseball, they called me, you know what they called me? They called me holy man. And I was Muslim. I was the only one they would entrust with players on Friday nights because they knew I was the one not partying. And I was Muslim. 
And it wasn't until after my first year of college. Well, I'm going to back up a little. Do you know how many Christians witnessed to me in my high school? Do you know how many times I was invited to a church or a youth group or Young Life or FCA? Not one. No one ever shared Christ with me. And it's not like I was hidden. I was voted most likely to succeed. You could ask any, any student, any teacher, any coach, if they knew a Muslim in the school, and every one of them would say, oh, Salim is Muslim. But if you asked me to name a Christian, I, I kind of knew there were Christians, but I couldn't actually name a single Christian per se. And even my first year of college, which was in Florida, the same scenario. I found out later at a class reunion, as a matter of fact, half the football team, they were Christians at that point, and I was shocked, and I thought, whoa, whoa. I said, when did y'all become Christians? When did y'all start following Christ? And their heads went down, and I was kind of puzzled. And I found out they were Christians when we played football together. So I, was, I questioned, whoa, 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 why didn't you ever say anything to me? Why didn't you ever invite me? I didn't get it. And I wonder, for us, are there people around us that don't even know we're Christian? And, and I started, as I started looking, and, and I, I, I don't know if I'll go the way why they didn't ever said anything. I'll just tell you. They said, well, Salim, your life was holier than ours. That is the reason they never shared Christ with me. And I'd venture to say, why don't we share Christ sometimes? And the root is fear. Fear of being rejected. Fear of offending someone. Fear of being awkward. Not knowing what to share. Fear of being politically incorrect. And the root is fear. The bottom line, no one shares with me. It's not until after my first year of college, I go back home to Florida, South Florida. I'm on the beach. A high school girl walks up to me, and she's the first Christian to share the Christian faith with me. And she ends up inviting me to this Christian coffee house called Cornania. And as I spoke with her, I realized it was Christian. Listen, I had no desire to go to anything Christian, but she was really cute, so I went. <laughs> now, I know if my bride's here or not, but not as cute as my bride, okay? But, but, but that's how it started. It was a simple invitation. And what a great opportunity you have next week right here at the church. Easter, let me tell you, people are hungry. I read a statistic that 80% of people that have never been to church had never been invited. Listen, don't take it for granted. It was a simple invitation. I met Christians that loved me, didn't judge me. They accepted me. And the bottom line, I want you, no matter what you hear, I want you to hear this. Love never fails. And I'm, I'm going to leave that up there because I want you to see this picture. As Christians reach out, prayed, and love, I, 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 I felt sorry for Christians. I knew Christians, watch my Muslim mindset. I knew Christians were deceived. I, I knew they had taken the Injil, the teachings of Jesus, and they had corrupted the Word of God and made this prophet to be the Son of God. I, I knew that Christians worshipped three gods. I, I knew Christians were so off track, but these Christians were pretty cool and loved me, so we kind of hung out. And um, probably because of their prayers and love more than anything, one night I, I'm trying to sleep, and this question comes up in my heart and my mind, and the question it was, and in my Islamic upbringing, you're not supposed to ask this question because you don't question your faith, but the question was, why am I Muslim? Well, well, of course I'm Muslim. My mom and dad are Muslim. 
They're loving, they're godly, they're married. Of course Islam is right. And while I'm lying there, I thought, well, how come the Christians, Hindu, Buddhist, Jews, Baha'i, atheists, agnostic, they all believe they're right. And I knew they couldn't all be right. And that night I cried out to Allah. I cried out to God. I said, God, I want to know the truth. But I don't want to base on my family, religion, tradition. I want you to, God, if you show me who you are, I will live for you and I'll follow you all the days of my life. And I meant business with God. So God sends me on a journey. I'm not going to share too much of my journey, but I'm going to share a couple things I'm going to pick out. I started visiting, observing. I couldn't believe how many different faiths and religions and beliefs that are out there. But I remember I was invited to that and it was connected with the church. So I, I started to visit them at their church. But I always sat on the back. I sat on the aisle because I never knew when I'd have to leave. I never had to leave. Never. The, nothing ever bothered The preaching, nothing ever bothered me except there's only one thing that bothered me. It's when they sung songs about the name or the blood of Jesus. That's the only thing that ever bothered me. And I say bother, now I realize it was the Holy Spirit convicting me. I felt pretty awkward when they sung about that. As a matter of fact, one, one of their hymns they sung was, and I'm not a singer, but it was, Wonderful grace of Jesus, great in all my sin. And I would sing with them, but I would sing, Wonderful grace of God, greater than all my sin. I sung God greater than the name of Jesus. So loud, the people around me couldn't even hear the name of Jesus. And do you know what they did? They kept inviting me. Let me tell you something. Love never fails. Love never fails. And the Spirit of God was dealing with me. My dad had some restaurants. We lived fairly well. We lived on the water, had a nice boat. I, I was flying an airplane. Got a great, great family, great home. But I, I caught myself going out at night on our boat just, just questioning, God, I, I want to know the truth. God, speak to me. And I got to where I wasn't even sleeping much and wrestling through the night. And there's a scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. It says that when God made us, he put eternity in our hearts, in our minds. And if you read the translations, it's a divine purpose that nothing can satisfy except God alone. So God made every human being with this eternity that nothing satisfies except God. And we reach for materialism and, and money and sex and fame and, and relationships and drugs and addiction. Listen, but the only thing that satisfies is the Lord. So I don't get upset when people reach. Because I know they're just trying to fill what only God can fill. And that's why we're still here. To help people encounter the living God. So, so, so what? I, 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 I'm so, so restless and so, I, I got so possessed almost possessed. I couldn't sleep anymore. I just wanted to, to know the truth, the answer. And I'm not going to share everything, but I'll never forget. I, I, I got to a point, I made this list and I'm not getting any answers. And I decided I was going to try each and every religion that had any validity to it at all. And I didn't know what that meant, but I decided to get Christianity out of the way first. So, so but watch this. So where did I go? I went to Quaninia, the first place I was invited to. Listen, your neighbors are not an accident. Who you work with, where you go to school, you are there to bring light to them. So that's how it's, so I went to this place, Quaninia, and the director wasn't there. I ended up with the associate director. She's a lady, and, and I kind of told her what I want to do, and her eyes got so big, it scared me because I didn't want anybody to know what, what I was doing. I said, I said, don't you say a word or I'll hurt you. Maybe not exactly how I said it, but, 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 
but, but, but watch this. And, and I'm Palestinian. And I usually have a backpack, so she didn't know what I would do. So watch this. So, so she, she, calm, she calmed down. She calmed down, and she opens this big, loose-leaf notebook. We sit down, and she opens it up, and it starts off, in the beginning. I thought, it's going to be a long night. <laughs> and she shares the story of God, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and at the end, there's a prayer, a prayer where you not only confess that you are a sinner, but you confess Jesus is your Lord, and you're born again, you're saved, and you know how it goes. Well, watch this. She said, would you read the prayer? I did to myself said, would you read the prayer out loud? And I start to read the prayer out loud. Now, one reason she got excited, there were hundreds that have been praying for me by name for over a year. So I'm, I'm reading the prayer out loud. When I got to the name of Jesus, I stopped. Now, now listen, Muslims believe in Jesus big time. He's the most mentioned prophet in the Quran. Let me share this. You know what Muslims believe about Jesus? They believe he was born of the Virgin Mary. They believe that he was sinless. They believe that he did miracles. And they believe he's coming back. Sounds pretty Christian, doesn't it? But he does, they do not believe him to be the Son of God. Nor do they believe that he was crucified on the cross. So the whole atonement or payment for our sin. But the one unpardonable sin, watch this, for a Muslim is to associate a partner equal with God. And that's what you Christians did with the prophet Jesus. You made him to be the son of God. So for me to confess Jesus is Lord is to condemn myself to hell. You've been taught you confess Jesus is Lord and you're saved. Well, there's a big difference. So it's important to know not just what you believe, but you got to know why you believe what you believe. Because if you don't know why, when the persecution, the adversity, and the temptation comes, you don't stand. I see it all around the world, especially right here in America. So you got to know why you believe what you believe. So, so I'm stuck. I, I can't pray that prayer. I, I mean, I was so hungry, so desperate. I, the journey I'd been to to that point, and she said, it's almost like she was cheering me, come on, you can do it. And I was like, I said, okay, 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 G, 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 Jesus, come into my life. For one week. And she goes, one week? <laughs> Listen, I, I, I figured the next week I'm going on to the next religion. Now, the moment I prayed that prayer, most people, they pray that prayer and there's tears of joy. Not the one week part, the Jesus part. The, the moment I prayed that pr prayer, fear struck me. My first thought was, I just condemned myself to hell. My next thought was, if my parents find out, I'm going really soon. And, and we laughed, but it was a genuine fear. And st stuff happened later that night, and, and I don't know why it was a couple hours later, but I'm riding my bicycle home. It's after midnight, and as I'm riding my bicycle, all of a sudden I started singing, Wonderful Grace of Jesus Christ. I was like, boy, would you say? Wonderful Grace of Jesus. And I don't know why it took a couple hours. I didn't know if I asked Jesus to come into my heart and to my life. I didn't know he would actually come in. Well, what do you mean? Listen, I thought here I am, and here's Almighty Allah. 
And if I pray and fast and live and serve and my good outweighs my bad, then watch this. Then inshallah, what do you mean inshallah? Then God willing, one day I'll get to be with him. It's not even a promise. I had no idea that God wanted a relationship with me now. I had no idea he wanted to live inside of me. And listen, I had no idea he wanted to be my father. Are you kidding me? In Islam, there's 99 names for God. He's never called Father. He's never called Love. And he's never called Jesus. And that's the only thing I call him these days. My life was radically changed. And uh, I didn't tell my parents right away. But how many of you know moms just know when something's up? And I'll never forget the day I was walking out the door. My mom said, son, son. I go, yeah, yeah, mom. And she goes, did you become a Christian? <laughs> I thought, oh, my God. <laughs> but it was the first time I was encountered about my faith. And I finally just said, yes, I got to go. And she goes, son. So I go, yeah, my. She says, you have to tell your dad. I said, when I come back, I figured I wouldn't come back. <laughs> I did come back. And it wasn't until a couple of weeks later something happened. My mom called me. I'm, my friend. I'm at my friend's house. I'm shortening this. Said, your dad told me he wants to talk to you. So I, then the Holy Spirit, had, I didn't even know who the Holy Spirit was, but he, he just told me moments before, today was the day. And I rode home and I, and I walk in. My mom and dad are sitting on the den, on that couch in the den, TV, in front of the TV. TV turned off. That's not good news. <laughs> and, and my father says, your mom says, you have something to tell me? I go, yes, dad. And I started to tell him everything, much more than what I've shared with you this morning. Because I had to deal not just with our culture, but I didn't even understand the shame and dishonor at that moment. I was putting on my family. As I am now letting my father know, I believe that Jesus is not just a prophet, but the son of God. I am no longer Muslim, but that I am Christian. And my father's battling in his mind, what's happened to my son? But I know my daddy's heart. It was, it was more like, how have I failed my son? How did I allow my son to go astray? As I shared with my dad, I know I said some inappropriate things because the only thing I knew about the gospel is that without Jesus, you're going to die and go to hell. The moment I was born, my father, who is Robin, that's his name, Robin, but when I was born, they never called him Robin. They called him Abu Salim, father of Salim, father of the firstborn. That's our culture. I was named after my father's father, Salim who in his little village on the north side of Jerusalem, even before my uncle, he's the one that would climb that single minaret mosque that they had. And he would not only do the call to prayer, but he would lead. I'm named after him. I'm bringing such shame and dishonor on my mother and father, but something happened. I've only had two of these my whole life. I had an open vision. As I'm speaking to my mother and father, all of a sudden there were flames of fire. And it's like my parents were on the back fringes of the flames. And I started screaming, can't you see? Can't, can't you see? And I remember reaching, trying to pull my parents out of the flames. And as the flames dissipate, we're all weeping. My father and I looked at each other, and we both knew I could no longer live in that home or be part of that family. And though it cost me my family, God gave me a bigger family. He gave me the family of God because God's an awesome God. And a, a year later, he gave me a promise. He said my whole house would be saved. But li listen, I prayed for five, ten years. But two years later, one, one of my sisters became a follower of Christ. She actually directs missions for that small church in Houston called Lakewood Church. But uh, over the next 10, 12 years, 
all my brothers and sisters became followers of Christ. And I was somewhat restored with my dad's relationship that I could share with him. And I can't tell you how many times I shared with my father. He would break and weep. I thought, this is it. And he'd always point his finger. He goes, I'll never change. I'm Muslim. I'll never deny my faith. I'm Muslim. And you know, we're 15, 20, 20. I'll never change. I'm Muslim. I'll never deny my faith. I'm Muslim. My dad had heart attack and bypass surgery and diabetes and kidney failure and dialysis and amputation and on his deathbed in the hospital. I'll never change. I'm Muslim. I'll never deny my faith. I'm Muslim. And I'll never remember that. I'll never forget that night as, as my dad said that. He's lying on a hospital bed. My mom is lying on the chair next to him because my mom will never leave his side. And I climbed, I climbed on top of my dad's hospital bed. I'm straddling him like this. I said, Dad, please don't say that. Dad, if I am wrong, I am willing to change. If, if, if everyone said that, no one would ever change. I said, Dad, please don't harden your heart. And my mom awakens. She says, we don't want to harden hearts. My dad says, I don't want to harden my heart. And I wish I had time to share the journey. But after 70 years of Islam, and praying for them for more than 23 years. Both my mom and my dad made Jesus Christ the Lord of their life. They received the gift of salvation. And listen, I, 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 my, my nose is running, so can y'all applaud one more time so you don't hear this? My, my dad was supposed to die that night. He lived another year and a half. He got a prosthesis. They said he never could because of his age and disease. And he and my mom moved back to their village, north side of Jerusalem. My dad built this little complex there. My dad has since gone to heaven, but he got to see my firstborn. My mom is 88 years old last week. She's the wildest preaching machine for Jesus on the planet. Listen, <laughs> listen, my, my dad's apartment, his condo became the first underground church in all of Israel for Muslims. My dad brought in a Christian couple before he left this earth, and that Christian couple, to count, has opened, started more than 300, they call them Bible schools, I call them home groups, for Jews and Muslims that have come to Christ. But it started with a high school girl giving me a simple invitation. Listen, you're not here by accident. You're not here by accident. God has chosen you and me for such a time as this. But if I, listen, if I could share anything, I, I want to share, share something with you. I share that. I get to share this all around the world. What I am about to show you is not going to ex explain salvation maybe like you've never heard it. But you're going to, watch this, you are going to be equipped to share your faith like never before. That on one of my mission trips happened to be to Kenya, ministering to Muslims. That first day was rough. That night, God showed me that Satan was stealing the word. And I just wrestled with God. Why did you bring me thousands of dollars, thousands of miles, leave my family, take vacation for Satan to steal the word? I don't come to the church for Satan to steal the word. But it was in the scripture. And then God showed me in that same passage in, in Matthew. He says, Satan steals the word because, because. He says, because they don't understand. And number one, it's spiritual understanding. But just so we can connect, if I asked you this morning, how many of you actually prayed to receive Christ as your Savior? You've confessed Jesus as your Lord. You're born again. Your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You know that you'll spend eternity with him. Probably a whole bunch of you would raise your hands. But if I asked you, how many of you could come up here, grab a microphone, and you could explain the gospel 
so others would have an opportunity to receive that same salvation. And oftentimes, there's a great hesitation. So watch. If we don't understand the gospel well enough to communicate it, oh, Satan can't steal our salvation, but he'll rob us of opportunities to share our faith. And you know what? The only thing we're taking to heaven is people. I mean, that's why we're still here. So, so that night, the Lord gave me a mandate to present the gospel so Satan cannot steal. And I got excited, but he didn't tell me anything. The next morning, something happened. I want you to see this. We walk out. There's more than 100 Muslims already waiting for us. We were in these large Islamic villages. They didn't really want Christians there, but we had already drilled a water well. We were building an orphanage, and we had medical teams. How many of you know when you help people, God opens their hearts? As I started to share that morning, there was a lady right up front. She must have been selling these shawls or these scarves. And I had this thought. It was just a thought. But now I believe it's the Lord. I said, ma'am, may I borrow one? And I did. So I'm going to ask somebody to help me. Uh, I met Joel earlier. Joel, can you come help me? Come on, give Joel a hand. And, and Dwayne, would you give him that? Would you give him that bag? Let him bring that bag up here. Come on, Joel. You're going to be rewarded for this. Come on, big man. Woo. I like his red hat. Come on. Here comes Stan right here. I, so I grabbed this scar, and I put it on. They chuckled because men don't wear this. But I, I put this on. I, I said, I put this on because I want to tell you a story. It's a true story. It's a story of God because God is holy, clothing glory, righteous. And then God said, let us create man in our own image. So from the dust of the earth, God formed a perfect specimen. Come on, give Joel a hand. Watch. And then God breathed, and man becomes a living being, a living soul. But why? Why did God create man? And I had my spiritual answers, but you know what? Do you know why God actually created us? God created us for this, for relationship, for fellowship. And these words came out of my mouth that morning to Muslims. God is a daddy, and he wanted a family. Did you catch that? He's a good daddy, a loving daddy. Maybe you don't know one. So our purpose is this intimate love relationship with Daddy God. Now listen, God has amazing plans, callings, assignments for all, of, for all of us. But if we don't know our identity, we don't fulfill our destiny. Because watch, he blessed Adam, sent him in the garden, gave him a job, replenish, multiply, subdue, take dominion. Help me if you know the story. Adam, as you take care of this garden, you can eat from any, every tree except from how many? Don't ever eat from that one tree. The day you do, you shall surely die. Adam and Eve disobeyed. They eat. Did they drop dead? They lived for hundreds of years after that. But the very day they disobeyed, watch this, they died in their relationship with God. It was an immediate spiritual death. And, and listen, Jesus has the victory here. So would you all mind uh, applauding for the Lord one more time? <laughs> Sorry, Joel. You'll be rewarded, though. I promise you. Because that, that, that disobedience, that disobedience became sin in the life of man. And sinful man could no longer have relationship with holy God. The scripture says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. Jesus did not come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. So watch. Because of sin, 
We're dead to God. If we die in that condition, we're, we're eternally separated from God in hell. But that's not why he created us. He created us for this love relationship, and God already had a plan because nothing takes God by surprise. And what's so awesome, nothing about your life surprises God. He knows your secret sins, your skeletons, your bondage, addictions, iniquity, lust, pornography, anger, and he still passionately pursues you with his love. That's a merciful daddy. Amen? All through his word, God gives us snapshots for what he's about to do. I'll just choose one. The Passover lamb with Moses. Do you know it? God spoke to Moses out of a burning bush. Go back to Egypt. Tell Pharaoh, let my people, let them go. But it wasn't until the 10th plague they were freed. The 10th plague, the death angel going into every home to kill the firstborn. But to separate God's people, they had to sacrifice a perfect lamb. Eat. What did they have to do with the blood from that lamb? I love it when you know. That's right. If these were the doors of the home, blood on the side and the top. And when the death angel came, if he saw the blood, the death angel would pass over. The death angel, though, never looked inside the house. He never checked to see if they were Hebrew or Egyptian. He only looked for one thing. What was it? The blood of that lamb. If the blood of the lamb would cause death to pass over, do you have any idea? Do we have any idea what the blood of the Lamb of God does, Jesus Christ? Anyway, I wish I had the time, but I want you to see this. It's my favorite part. Say, say the, blood. the blood. Even in the Old Covenant, this Jehovah Daddy God still wants a relationship with sinful people, so he sets up sacrifice, particularly on the Day of Atonement. If God accepted the sacrifice, he would let that blood for a season to cover our sin. Why? Because now Daddy God can... <laughs> Don't worry, Joel, I won't do that again. But I want them to see, I want them to see, God is a daddy. He's Abba Daddy. He's crazy about you. He made a way even in the old covenant through sacrifice. Man kept sinning, so man had to keep sacrificing. And then God reveals his wisdom, reveals his mystery, and he sends the perfect sacrifice. He sends the Lamb of God. What's his name? So while Jesus, the Son, comes as the Lamb, crucified on the cross, dead, buried, and raised from the dead. You know the story, right? God takes the blood of his Son, Jesus, and if you look at Scripture, he never does cover our sin. Because Jesus, the Lamb of God, doesn't cover. He actually takes away the sin of the world. He wants to cover you and me with his blood. In 2 Corinthians, talking about Jesus, he who knew no sin actually what? Became sin. Why? So that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There was a divine exchange. The wages of sin is death. That's why Jesus died. He took all our sin. Actually, look at this. Our sins have already been paid for. Actually, we've already been forgiven. All we have to do is receive. Say that word, receive. You see this here? Eternal life, salvation, righteousness. God forces it on no one. Why? Because it's a gift. And a gift must be received. You know, I learned, listen, God offers this gift to the whole world. But each one of us must receive this gift to ourselves. Mom, dad, pastor, preach, church, teach, teacher, church cannot receive this for you, nor for me. I must choose and you must choose. So we're going to pray here. Watch this. If you choose to receive this gift, and you might say, I've been baptized, dedicated, confirmed. That's great, but have you received the gift? I'm in church, I serve, I volunteer. Beautiful, have you received the gift? 
That's not the way I was raised. Neither it was for me. God said the pure in heart would see him. So how do we actually receive this gift? The word of God says if I, in Romans 10, if I confess with my mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in my heart God raised him from the dead, the Bible says that I would be saved. What's that mean, saved? It means I receive the gift of salvation. And it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. Now, Jesus rose from the dead. I don't like to leave sin on Jesus. So anyway, listen. But let's, let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father, thank you for the love that you have lavished on us that we could become your sons and daughters and you could become our Father because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Lord, that's what you mean by born again. And Lord, I thank you for that high school girl that gave me a simple invitation that started this journey. And Lord, for these men and women that are here today, Lord, they're not here by accident. You got a divine purpose for their lives. But Lord, we don't want to go here without knowing you. So as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, actually just do this, keep your eyes closed. I just, I want us to pray out loud. We're going to pray to receive this gift of salvation. So if you got it or you need it, just pray it and encourage those around you. Put one hand on your heart and say, dear God, like you mean it, dear God, I know you created me for a relationship with you. My sin separated us. But God, you love me so much. You sent your son, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. He died on the cross, paid for all of my sin. God, I believe in my heart, you raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. Jesus, I repent. I repent of all my sin, and I make you the Lord of my life. I receive you, Jesus, into my life. I receive your gift of salvation. I receive your gift of eternal life. And I receive your gift of righteousness. God, you are now my heavenly Father. Jesus, you are now my Lord. And I am saved. Now, Lord Jesus, fill me with your spirit. And give me the power. The power to grow with you. To know you. Love you. Follow you. And let your light shine to this world in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.